Hello and welcome to LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination, ANAC. I'm your host, Rebecca, and today I'm here with Jane Belt, ANAC Curriculum Development Specialist, to discuss Section E, Behaviors of the MDS, and the trick to accuracy and the impact that accuracy can have on some of the quality measures and even the patient-driven payment model, PDPM. Welcome, Jane. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm so glad to be here with you. We're glad to have you, Jane. Jane, I've noticed that Section E does not get a lot of attention, but I have heard you discuss it, and it seems that you believe that the coding and accuracy of the section needs to be more of a focus for nurse assessment coordinators. Do you agree? Yes, and you might say I can get a bit passionate about accurate coding of the entire MDS, but certainly Section E as well. And, you know, you ask, well, why do I feel so strongly about that? Well, my concern is that we are seeing more and more residents who are younger with a history of stressful events, more residents with indicators of mental distress, and certainly more emphasis in the federal regulations for the management of stress, trauma, and behavioral health services. Those certainly are some pressing concerns. So what tips can you provide for some of the items in Section E? Okay, well, let's start with the first item, E0100, the potential indicators of psychosis, which are hallucinations and delusions. Hallucinations in our resident population are generally visual or auditory, although the other senses could be involved, but those are generally what we hear and see. And sometimes we get used to a resident talking about things like their baby or their work, needing to go to work. And we forget how distressing that can be for the resident. Is that resident hearing the baby cry? Is the resident distressed that no one is with the baby? The point is to listen carefully to the resident. What are they trying to tell you? You do not want to tell the resident that they are wrong with their hallucination. Instead, you just would say, well, you know, I don't hear or I don't see that same thing. And then try to reduce any stress with some non-pharmacological interventions. Take them for a walk. Play some music of their preference. While delusions, now those are generally fixed their false beliefs, and even when you give them evidence contrary to their belief, they insist that they are correct. Well, first of all, get the facts. Make sure that what the resident is believing is not actually there or happening. So never discount it totally until you check it out. But again, if they're wrong, then gently try to give them the facts And just go on then. This is not time for any kind of an argument or discussion. The other thing to consider with hallucinations or delusions is maybe there's a medical reason. Sure, many with dementia, schizophrenia, bipolar disease, and even Parkinson's disease do experience hallucinations and delusions. But there could be possible other causes such as, what am I thinking about? Well, what about a bit of hypoxia? 
lack of oxygen to their brain. Is their blood pressure okay for them? When was it last checked? What about any medication side effects? We know that many drugs can cause hallucinations, delusions. Is it time to reduce or discontinue them? Talk to the physician. Look at their lab values when available. Are they having any signs of electrolyte imbalance? Their sodium, their potassium, something's not right. And finally, is the resident getting sick? Very often, hallucinations can occur when the resident's developing an infection, like a urinary tract infection. There's a lot to think about there and the possibilities for why the behavior is happening. Thank you, Jane. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. Onboarding a new MDS coordinator or a new DON, let ANAC and AADNS help. We offer comprehensive online training programs developed specifically for the new MDS coordinator or the new DON. Learn more about ANAC MDS Essentials at anac.org backslash education and more about AADNS DNS Fundamentals at aadns-ltc.org backslash education. Welcome back. Let's continue our chat with Jane Bell about coding section E, behaviors. Jane, what else should we be aware of when coding behaviors in section E? Well, there are a lot of things to think about, that's for sure. And gee, that was just the first item. So I better get moving along here. Um, but moving on to the next item, which is behavioral symptoms. And those are any symptoms exhibited in the seven day look back period. And as you recall, the listener can think about the items are physical, verbal behavior symptoms directed towards others and or behavioral symptoms not directed towards others. So without spending a bunch of time on these specific items, the most important consideration here is, are any of these symptoms new? And if so, investigation is needed as to whether the cause is reversible. Can it be treated? Here we go, root cause analysis. We've got to use it when problems or issues occur. We've got to get to the bottom. Try to get to the bottom. And promptly reporting then to the team and or the physician, physician extender, if they've seen anything new. And again, talking with one another to see, can we figure out what is that root cause? And that kind of reminds me of a story that I heard about an elderly man who all of a sudden would just start striking out at the staff. The facility tried many things to calm him down, but no luck. Finally, someone remembered he used to be a boxer and his room was close to the elevator. And you know that bell that dings when an elevator is closing the doors or opening the doors? Well, it caused him, hearing that ding helped him think or believe, I guess I should say, that he was back in the ring. <laughs> the facility moved his room down the hall further away from the elevator. Guess what? Problem fixed. 
So I cannot say enough about root cause analysis. We have to get to the bottom. All right, so back to the symptoms in the item E0200. Often the issue of coding the symptoms on the MDS is those that are not new. You know, the resident exhibits the symptoms daily, every couple days or weekly. And guess what? We get used to them. And soon the symptoms are hardly noticed. So be aware, even if the symptoms are not new and they happen regularly, if they occur in that look back period, they must be coded on the MDS. We've got to gather that information from all shifts, anyone who has close interactions with the resident, including folks like the housekeeper or the person in the beauty shop, family or friends who visit often. They can give us clues too. I can certainly see why symptoms are sometimes difficult to code. Is rejection of care in this section too, Jane? It sure is, and I'm glad you brought it up as the item causes some confusion when we go to code it, and that is item E0800. And it asks if the resident rejected an evaluation of care that it was necessary to achieve their goals for health and well-being. The instructions provide the clarification that we are not to include behaviors that have already been addressed and determined to be consistent with the resident's values, preferences, or goals. And it's that last part, addressing whether they're consistent with their values and goals that causes the inaccuracy and the confusion. So let's break it down. We first gotta understand the RAI definitions for rejection and interference with care. Rejection of care is defined as a behavior that interrupts or interferes with the delivery or the receipt of care. Care rejection can be manifested by verbally declining, no, pushing back statements of refusal, physical behaviors that convey aversion to, or as a result, trying to avoid that care that we're attempting to provide. So that interference is hindering the delivery of care or receipt of care by causing a disruption to the usual routines or processes by which care is given, or by exceeding the level or intensity of resources that are usually available for the provision of care. So what is it we're looking at? Next, we need to distinguish, is this the resident's choice? Is that why they're refusing? This item is coded based on resident choice, even if we don't think the resident's using good judgment, or we don't even think it's rational decision. Resident choices must become a part of our care plan. When the rejection or decline is first identified, we got a job, we got to determine what are the resident's values, preferences, or goals? Do we know? Are they from a different culture, different routines, different rituals? So then that choice then must be detailed in the medical record. Gotta be care planned. And then we do not code it on the current assessment as a rejection or decline. 
But again, that has to be documented that that's part of their value system. And if the resident can't state their preferences or choices, we got to talk to someone who would know. So it's not a, always an easy item to code as investigation is often involved. Thanks for covering that one, Jane. I think your points are very helpful. Now, you mentioned that Section E can have an impact on some of the quality measures in PDPM. What can you tell us about that? Oh, great, Rebecca. Thanks for reminding me. Yes, as far as the QMs, there are two that can be impacted, uh, the MDS QMs, uh, and that's the prevalence of behavior symptoms affecting others, which the surveyors are using, and the prevalence of anti-anxiety or hypnotic use. And for some of the claims-based measures, Section E can be part of the covariates. You know, those items that are the risk adjusters that level the playing field as that indicator is being measured. As far as PDPM, well, there's the nursing component of the system, and that uses a hierarchical process to determine the nursing category and the case mix index. One of those categories is behavioral symptoms and cognitive performance, which part of that uses obviously behavioral symptoms for the grouping. The category has a small range for the nursing function score. And if that resident doesn't group in behavior, then they'll move to reduced physical function. The next category on the tree or as you go down the hierarchy. All right, so what's my point? Well, I just saw some statistics from a Zimit report that looked at the October 2019 PDPM claims. And they noted that 27% of residents grouped in these lower categories, even in the PDPM model. So it's important to make sure that every member of the team, we do whatever it takes to get that MDS to a point of pinpoint accuracy. Thank you, Jane. Accuracy is something NACS should definitely strive for. Any final thoughts, Jane? It's important for the MDS to be accurate, obviously. But part of my passion is trying to help residents with behavioral symptoms. As most often, they're trying to tell us something and perhaps they just can't verbalize it. They don't know how to tell us what's bothering them or what hurts or what just isn't right. So to deliver individualized person-centered care, we need to look at any clues that they can give us to provide the healthiest environment possible for them. They deserve it. That is so true, Jane. I appreciate your time today to chat with me and our listeners about coding Section E. It is so important for our residents that we understand behaviors and how to code them. Oh, I'm glad to provide some insight on the topic. And listeners, I want you to think about what I said and gather that information. And good luck with coding Section E. I know you can do it. Thank you, Jane. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. 
For more resources and tools on coding the MDS, please visit our website at www.aanac.org.